One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Today is Wednesday, September 30th, 2020. On this day in 1986, Gennady Zarkov, a Soviet spy, spent four minutes in a Brooklyn courtroom before promptly being let go. Zarkov's arrest had jeopardized a meeting between Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev. His release ensured U.S.-Soviet relations were back on track. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today I'm joined by our guest host, Alastair Murden from Haunted Places Ghost Stories. His show revels in spooky tales and recounts the world's most chilling legends. Today, Alastair will cover some of the context surrounding Zarkov's release from U.S. custody, while I'll cover the event itself. Thanks for having me, Vanessa. Hello, everyone. I'm thrilled to dive into this fascinating story of Cold War espionage and intrigue. Of course, thrilled to have you join me. Now let's go back to the morning of September 30th, 1986, to a courtroom in Brooklyn, New York. Zarkov, a trim, middle-aged, mustachioed man, arrived on the sixth floor of the downtown courthouse six minutes before 10 a.m. He looked jaunty and upbeat in a pinstripe suit and striped tie, but then he had every reason to be pleased. He'd already concluded the most important meeting of his day. There, his lawyer and a judge, with some help from the U.S. federal government, had agreed to a sweetheart deal. It was an agreement which the reporters in the room were about to see play out in real time. First, Zarkov's lawyer indicated that his client had rescinded his plea of not guilty. He now claimed nolo contendere, meaning no contest. It wasn't technically an admission of guilt, but it functioned similarly. Zarkov agreed not to fight the government's accusations and would accept whatever punishment the judge handed down. The court then clarified exactly what its accusations were, because just that morning, they'd changed dramatically. Zarkov no longer stood accused of conspiring to commit espionage and pass information about America's national defense to the USSR. Without those charges, Zarkov couldn't be sentenced to life in prison. The last and only remaining count against him was much milder. Now he was simply accused of obtaining national defense information, a crime which garnered a maximum of 10 years in prison. But Zarkov wouldn't be getting anywhere near 10 years either. He was only sentenced to five years of probation, during which time he was barred from entering the United States. Starting that moment, he had 24 hours to get out of the country. The very next afternoon, Zarkov boarded a flight to Moscow. Before takeoff, he took a moment to turn to the journalists watching him go and announce, I am not a spy. The reporters raised cynical eyebrows as he departed. 
Then their attentions were quickly diverted elsewhere to another flight landing in Washington, D.C. That plane was carrying an American, and he'd been through hell. Nicholas Daniloff and his wife Ruth applauded as they touched down on U.S. soil. As the couple descended down the aircraft ramp, Nick waved his arms over his head. Their first reunion was with their 23-year-old daughter, Miranda, and 16-year-old son, Caleb. Caleb presented his dad with a t-shirt. He had revised its original slogan of Free Nick Daniloff to Freed Nick Daniloff. Miranda produced a bottle of champagne, which the family promptly opened. The press was waiting there on the tarmac, too. They were clamoring to know what Nick had been through during his 13 days in the KGB prison. Just one week after Gennady Zarkov was arrested in New York, Nick was arrested in Moscow on similar charges of espionage. Whatever the press was hoping for, however, Nick kept his remarks brief and to the point. The KGB is the KGB. As an optimist, I would hope that this outrageous incident would fade into history. But the story behind this repatriated American journalist was far more complicated. His arrest, along with Zarkov's, had very nearly caused an important meeting between U.S. President Ronald Reagan and Soviet General Secretary Mikhail Gorbachev to be canceled. That meeting is widely considered to be a crucial turning point in the Cold War. Coming up, the high-stakes espionage and diplomacy that took place behind the scenes of Gennady Zarkov and Nick Danilov's arrests. Hi, listeners. I'm so excited to introduce you to the newest Spotify original from Parcast called Blind Dating. Hosted by YouTuber Tara Michelle, Blind Dating is a fun twist on a classic setup. Strangers are introduced, conversation commences, and sparks either fly or fizzle. But here's the catch. Our hopeful singles have to choose their match before ever seeing their face. And once they've picked their potential date, we turn the cameras on, and then it's either butterflies or goodbyes. Blind Dating airs weekly with new episodes every Wednesday. You can find and follow Blind Dating free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now back to the story. On September 30th, 1986, serious espionage charges against Gennady Zarkov were suddenly dropped. The day after he was released from U.S. custody on probation, he was put on a plane back to the USSR to reunite with his spymasters. Meanwhile, U.S. journalist Nick Daniloff was released from Soviet custody and returned to American soil. 
My guest host, Alistair, is going to take over from here to discuss the series of events that tie these two men together and how their stories affected the outcome of the Cold War. Thanks, Vanessa. In 1986, Gennady Zarkov appeared to be a Soviet physicist working at the United Nations in New York, but the FBI suspected he might have another, more sinister agenda. To test their theory, they set up a sting operation and caught Zarkov paying for US military secrets from a young defense contractor. On August 23, 1986, the FBI arrested him in a Queens, New York subway station for espionage. During the Cold War era, spying between the US and the USSR was rampant. But Zarkov's case was somewhat unusual as he was in the US with civilian status at the time. Most spies worked out of embassies and thus operated with diplomatic immunity. But Zarkov could legally be held by American law enforcement and a federal judge ordered him held without bail. One week later in Moscow, American journalist Nick Danilov was preparing to return to the United States after five and a half years reporting for the US news there. But one of his sources, Misha, was insistent that they talk before he left. Danilov agreed to a quick meeting and even brought Misha a farewell present, two Stephen King books. Misha brought a gift too, an envelope that he said was full of newspaper clippings. When eight KGB agents swarmed Nick minutes after he left Misha, however, they found the envelope was full of top-secret photographs and maps. Nick was promptly carted off to Lefortovo, Moscow's infamous maximum security prison, and was interrogated by the KGB. He was asked repeatedly who he really worked for. Then, he was thrown in an 8-by-10-foot cell. Back in the US, political analysts were stunned. For years, US journalists had been harassed in the USSR or even forced to leave the country. But this was 1986, and the head of the Soviet Union was Mikhail Gorbachev. Detaining and interrogating an American journalist, especially under such flimsy charges, looked more like the Russia of Joseph Stalin. There was absolutely no evidence that Nick Danilov had been spying other than the envelope that was given to him under false pretenses. As the US News chairman put it, Danilov is no more a spy than Gidget. Danilov's wife added, The whole thing is an outrage and a complete and absolute frame-up. Nick is, basically, a hostage. It didn't take long for US commentators and the federal government to realize that Nick had been arrested as direct payback for Zarkov's capture. In no time, the USSR tried to arrange a trade of the two prisoners. The US was in a tricky position. They knew Nick's arrest was a frame-up, but they also knew President Ronald Reagan and the Soviet General Secretary Mikhail Gorbachev were supposed to meet at a summit in Iceland soon. The meeting was the second between the two leaders, and officials hoped it could lead to major improvement in US-Soviet relations. No one wanted to risk nuclear war over the Zarkov-Danilov affair. Negotiations were halting and tense. But by September 12th, an arrangement was nearly complete. 
ultimately, Zarkov would be released and expelled from the US after a brief trial, while Nick Danilov would be released and sent back to Washington on the condition that he was never formally charged with espionage. Then, the talks in Iceland could go on. Today, the Reykjavik summit is considered a crucial turning point in U.S.-Soviet negotiations for nuclear arms reduction. Reagan and Gorbachev didn't leave the meeting with an agreement in hand, but as historian John Lewis Gaddis put it, to the astonishment of their aides and allies, the leaders of the United States and the Soviet Union found that they shared an interest in the principle of nuclear abolition. An end to the Cold War finally seemed possible in spite of Zarkov and in spite of decades of animosity. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thanks again, Alastair, for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Beginning tomorrow, you can find my podcast, Haunted Places Ghost Stories, on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Nora Battelle, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and stars Alastair Murden and Vanessa Richardson. Remember to follow Blind Dating for a Dash of Romance and Rejection. YouTuber Tara Michelle hosts, and she's thrilled to help hopeful singles meet their match once they've survived the hot seat. Follow Blind Dating free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>